The Small Queendom Podcast, episode 14. You're back. Thanks for joining me. I actually just got back myself from Iowa. I went out there for a weekend retreat for creative women entrepreneurs, and it was quite an adventure. I really got to meet and connect with so many truly amazing women that are actually doing cool, cool stuff. Other podcasters, other business women, women in the uh, technical side, like websites and, and project managers, women in event planning, uh, women who own boutiques. It was so awesome to rub shoulders with other dynamic women who are really creating inspiring queendoms in their own life. And so I just want to tell you, like, seek out those beautiful relationships. Don't be afraid to make new friends because it is awesome. I feel like I came home with just a lot of new and genuine friendships. Before we get to today's show, I actually wanted to read the review of the week. And it's by Sammy B. And she says, Leah is so authentic in the Small Queendom podcast. I'm getting so much out of her tips and recommendations. It's like sitting across from a friend. A must listen. Thank you so much, Sammy. Oh my gosh, that was so sweet. And I would love to ask each of you that are listening to stop right now and leave a review for me over on iTunes. It is truly life to the longevity and legitimacy of my podcast. It helps people uh, know that people are actually enjoying this. It's meaningful. And it also helps me know what you are enjoying. And be sure to leave any topics you want me to talk about because I just might bring them into the shows in the future. I'm super excited to share this week's guest interview with you. Now, I know this, at least some of you like to travel, and I know if you're a parent, you probably know that traveling with children is something of an art form. If you're not a parent yet, don't worry, you're still going to love this episode. Adam and I have been to some pretty amazing places with our children, and we have two, and we know how much of a challenge and reward that it can be. But this week's guest, Megan Norp, along with her husband, Mike, they have been traveling around the United States and the world for mm, going on a few years now with their family of not two, not three, but nine children. Megan and Mike are the creators of the popular YouTube channel, Norp and South. And Megan joins us this week to talk about their travels, some highs and lows, and we also get into what I call the important stuff, like what it actually means to still follow your dreams, even while raising a family, women supporting women and not living in scarcity and cattiness, and having grace for yourself even when you are in the thick of life seasons. I love chatting with Megan. I've known her for a few years now, and you know, I actually was one of her first few YouTube subscribers when they first started their YouTube channel. So it's been amazing to see the growth and see the journey as she has creeping up towards 200,000 subscribers on YouTube. So they are just being amazing at documenting their journey and 
connecting and creating a meaningful community around it. So just so good, Megan. I know that this will be one of your favorite episodes yet. So be sure to share it with a friend and encourage each other to truly get out there. So without any further ado, let's get to Megan. Okay. on my podcast and I'm so excited to be able to chat with you and just you know get to hear all about your adventures straight from you instead of watching YouTube channels about it. <laughs> Thanks Leah, I'm excited to be on. How have you all been doing? Super great. I'm I'm you know we're homeschoolers but I'm still excited for the school year to start so that we can kind of get back into routine and all that good stuff. Yes, it's I feel like the new new school year is kind of like a new year kind of feeling for our, for us at least. Yeah, and I just it's like, you know, all summer we're pretty relaxed because there's so many kids in and out and now they've all gone to school and I feel like we can have our life back. <laughs> yeah, that's a beautiful thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And how is Utah? I know that you all are settling into your new home out there. It's been great. It's, um, it's just beautiful. And I mean, we kind of have mixed feelings because we miss going out on adventures, but it's also a great time to just kind of rest and reset. Yes, absolutely. That's a perfect segue. So Megan is the uh, one half of the Megan and Mike Norp duo of Norp and South uh, over on YouTube. And Megan and I have known each other for several years, and um, it has just been so awesome to see Megan and Mike just really take an adventure of a lifetime. But Megan, a lot of people don't know about that. So would you just take a few moments to kind of get our listeners up to speed at what you all have been doing for the past few years? Sure. Well, um, about five years ago, we went from a family of four to a family of six. We brought our two girls home from China at that time. And then um, almost three years ago, we added a, to our family again and brought our family to a family of or to nine kids when we adopted three more kids from China. And so um, our family grew really quickly. And just a few months after we brought our last three kids home, we decided that we wanted to hit the road. And so we, in January of 2016, we, I sent Mike a text and said, let's not buy a house but let's buy an RV and travel the country. And so in May of that year, we moved into the RV and we went on a year long adventure around the United States. And it was the best year of our life. It was amazing. And then we packed, sold the RV, packed it up and went over to Europe for the next year. And we spent time in France and Ireland and England, Spain and Portugal and on down into Morocco as well. So it was incredible. Wow. And now you are basically, you have a home base in Utah. Yes. We came back from Europe um, just right before summer this year and thought we would rent a place as a home base, but then we found the perfect house. And so we just jumped and bought the house. And now we're just trying to figure out what our next adventure is and what we want to do now. Oh, wow. Where do I even begin to dig into this awesome story? Mm -hmm. Thanks for sharing that. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. <laughs> so when you, you know, you completed your family and you, it was either, you know, buy a house or get an RV, like you said, was there something in you that was like, you know, we need to just be a family and dig in and learn how to be together and just kind of meld everyone together? And is, was that kind of what you were thinking along with the idea of adventure? You know, I, we knew that at that time we had what we called one day a week family fun day where we would go on an adventure. We were living out in the perfect town in North Carolina. So we weren't thinking we wanted to move or change that up. We loved where we lived. But we also knew that Family Fun Day, which might be a hike or visit a museum or a historical site, was also our favorite day of the week. And it was the day where we felt like our family functioned the best. Like people were, you know, bonding and connecting and we were learning and growing. We just felt really happy those days. And so... We were also feeling like, um, I don't know, a little unsettled and a little bit like we hadn't, we, we knew something was coming, but we didn't know what it was, which is one of my favorite feelings, actually. But we were in that mode, and I read an article about world schoolers, and it was homeschoolers who believed the world was their school and would go out into it and learn that and teach their kids that way. And I'm like, that's totally what we believe. That's totally our philosophy. These are our people why aren't we doing this? And so I sent Mike the article and I was like, um, let's do this. And so it was kind of like a crazy, it was a total 180 for us. And, but it was like one of those moments where as soon as you hear it, it's like a bolt of lightning and you just know it's right. And you know, that's what you're going to do. And like every change, everything changes in that moment. Mm, Wow. So I think that the average person you know, thinking about, we're not going to live in a house anymore. We're going to live in a, you know, moving box and we're going to have all of our kids there. That, that seems very intimidating. A lot of people are intimidated by family vacation or a trip across the pond, you know? So how did you overcome any kind of feelings of fear or maybe intimidation that came up? I don't know that I overcame them. I just tried to ignore them as much as possible. So, you know, at first it was so exciting, you know, maybe the first few weeks that the fear was lower. But as we got deeper into it and there was more details we had to figure out and more what seemed like insurmountable roadblocks, you know, like, oh, you can't do it because of this or that. Um, It got scarier and scarier. And so like Mike and I got to the point where we're like, okay, after 11 o'clock at night, we can't talk about this or make any decisions. And then it would be like after nine o'clock at night, no, like, let's not talk about it or make any decisions. Cause like, and it just kept getting earlier and earlier. And so really the, the days before we were crazed, it was like, we couldn't even think anymore <laughs> because we were so terrified because it's not like you can call all your friends who traveled the country in an RV with their nine kids and say like, so how was that? Um, we had, we had no one to reach out to. And so it was super terrifying, but I also kind of like living in that mode because I think it's so electrifying and I feel so alive. So we just ignored our fear and pushed through it. And, um, as soon as we got on the road and saw that it was actually really fun and that it actually was a really good idea, like the fear left, but all the unknown before then was just terrifying. Oh yeah. I was actually going to ask you about that. Like how much can you actually research preparing to take your family on the road and how much of it is just pure trial and error? 
You know, there are some, there are lots of families and that was something that was surprising to me. There are a lot of families who are living full-time, like indefinitely in their RVs. The most of them they'll have like, you know, two, three, maybe four kids. And so um, that was, that was the issue. It was like, well, that doesn't really apply because we have nine kids, you know? And so it was always the hang up. But surprisingly, once we got on the road, we did meet a few other families that had a ton of kids. I think we met a family who had lived in their RV for four or five years and they had nine kids as well. So, I mean, props to them because we, we knew it wasn't, this wasn't a permanent change. This was an adventure. And this was something we were doing for a period of time and not forever. So you could kind of do anything if you know it's not forever. Mm, I love that. What is something that you feel like being on the road with your children really taught you or something, some kind of surprising lesson or like, what is a big takeaway that you took from um, such intense travel? Um, Gosh, there was a million takeaways, but I think the biggest one that I didn't really expect was that uh, you know, when we left, we lived in a, even though we we're homeschoolers, you still, when you get moved into a house, you want to be in a good school district. You want to be at a good commute from the city, which is really silly because we're homeschoolers and we work from home, but we're in this great neighborhood and um, kind of, we were living pretty traditionally except for those, you know, a couple things. But um, as soon as we moved into the RV, I felt like we left the box, you know, like when you're in the box and we left the box and looking back at the box, as soon as we left it, I felt like, why would we ever get back in that box? Why would we ever go back to that? And you kind of realize we felt so incredibly freed. We felt um, it was like the most liberating, exciting, and almost um, revelatory experience because you realize how many things in your life you were doing just because that's what you do. And just because that's what your parents did or your neighbors are doing and your siblings are doing. And when you move into an RV, you cut ties with so many things, especially when you're traveling, you know, you're staying one week at a time and um, doing whatever you want all the time. And it made me realize uh, how I really can do whatever I want that I get to design my life and I don't need to do anything just because. Hmm. Isn't it funny how we think we have some kind of line to toe, even though there's yeah. no one like, there's really no one for us as adults that we need to, I mean, besides, you know, God, there's no one else that we are answering to. So, but yet we still think that we have to live in that box, whatever that might look like. Well, and it's also funny because people have only lived in that box for the last hundred years or so, you know, I mean, so I, I often felt like um, the pa and ma from Little House on the Prairie, you know, I, I thought of <laughs> so, so homeschooler nerdy of me because, you know, we read this book out loud as a family, but I thought of them packing up their wagon and heading across and just choosing a homestead and like, you know, they did everything there. They, they grew their own food. And they, I remember used, they used like leather to connect their door to their their little house that Pa had built. And I felt in a way, like I realized how fun that must've been for them, how liberating it was because they owned their life. And for the last hundred years, you just don't do that anymore. You, you, somebody else, most of the time builds your house and, you know, you go to school where somebody else is deciding on what you're learning and you go to work for someone else. And, and moving into the RV was, it's not the only way to do it, but for us, it was, we completely took back the power in our lives and literally got to decide what we wanted to do each day and where we wanted to be. And it was, it was amazing. And, and, and part of that's my personality type. I value freedom 
really highly. And so um, it was, I, it was amazing. It, I felt so alive and felt so excited for life. Mm, that's beautiful. Did you ever have any time, whether it was in the US or in Europe, when you had what I like to call a movie moment where you're kind of like outside of yourself and you're seeing what's in front of you, like you're watching a movie and you realized, wow, we are in the right place. Oh yeah. There were always moments where I'm like this. And I would like turn to Mike and say, this is why we do it. Oh, we're... tell me about a time. Oh goodness. Um, I think, you know, when we were, yeah, I, I, it's easier for me to remember times in Europe, but you know, we're, we're walking through an ancient castle and um, like, it's just an everyday thing and, you know, eating freshly baked croissants and, you know, and it was just connecting so much with the culture. It was like, this is why we do it. And everybody's so happy and so interested. And um, yeah, I had those. And then obviously I got to watch an actual movie of my day every day as I would edit the videos for YouTube. <laughs> so no, I, I, all the time. And, you know, there were those days and then there were also days where you're like, what are we doing? I like where you realize why many people live in the box. Cause like the box is really comfortable and it's kind of come together. Everybody's doing those typical things because they do make your life easier. And so, um, you know, over those two years, we got to experience the highs of, of, you know, living intentionally and living outside the box and the lows of like, this is really hard. I wish I just had you know, a 3000 square foot house right now, instead of a 400 square foot RV. Mm -hmm. Tell me about a time when you were like, okay, I'm thrown in the towel. We're going home wherever home is. <laughs> oh, well, you know, when we went to San Francisco, we were so excited to go to San Francisco. There's so many things to see there. And, um, but when, by the time, you know, we got, by the time we got there, we had a lot of work that needed to be done for, you know, other projects and, we were staying at this fairground and it was like muddy and kind of crappy. And um, we had so much work to get done. We barely did any of the amazing things that you can do there. And so here we're with our kids in this like grassy fairground and we're trying to get work done and they're bored and, and we're missing, we're on like the edge of this amazing city and coastline and all these amazing forests. And you think, what are we doing if like, this is really not conducive to those sorts of moments. And so we were a little bit depressed in San Francisco mm -hmm. and even our viewers were like, you didn't see anything. And we're like, we know, but you know, sometimes we have to catch up on life too. So it was moments like that, that were really hard. Or, you know, um, when, when you're in a different country and you can't find the type of food you want to eat and everybody's feeling a little out of sorts those are hard moments too but they always were followed by amazing moments and moments where you felt super excited to be there mm. I yes I would imagine I would imagine when you're like okay I just need a piece of comfort food right now and it's nowhere to be found that would probably be frustrating <laughs> well it's funny our viewers were like you guys eat pizza a lot and we're like yes yes we do <laughs> Was that your all's like kind of that anchor, that comfort food for you all? Well, pizza is everywhere in the world, like really everywhere. It's, it's not equally made everywhere, but, um, you know, it, we were, and people would say like, why are you eating pizza there? And it's like, you know what? We do and experience lots of different things. Nothing is in our comfort zone. Like every time we go to the grocery store and every interaction we have in a different language. And so we allow ourselves moments like these to just have some 
have some pizza, you know, because it, <laughs> it, it was one of the easy, comfortable things that would kind of ground us all again. Pizza and French fries. It's so true. Pizza <laughs> is so many places. I can think of that little islands I've been to. Pizza's there. And even when, you know, Adam and I took our two little babes to Iceland last fall, we ate pizza a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best. Speaking of, you all need to go to Iceland. I think that you would love it. It's just hikes unending and vistas and slow living, but I'm just trying to figure out how you would get over there. It's definitely on the bucket list of things we're going to do. It's a beautiful place. They drive on the same road that we're accustomed to. Everyone speaks English. You never need, you know, any of the currency. You can use a card anywhere. It's just, it it seemed very, um, very easy to be there. Yes. Which is awesome. (laughs) Yes. So um, what is, let's talk about your, your children for a minute. Did you... It seems like whenever Adam and I take our little children on the road, they just come back like even more beautiful human beings, even more adapted and aware. And I, I don't know, they just, you can almost watch them maturing in front of your eyes after you've had an experience traveling. Did you, did you find that with your own children or do you have an example or did you find like some of your children really just bloomed on the road? Absolutely. I mean, for one thing, um, it was hard. It wasn't always easy because you aren't always comfortable. And so Mm -hmm. I saw kids who had a very, who weren't very dynamic before the trip, you know, who um, had routines they liked to follow and, and didn't, you know, like to have new experiences be pushed quite a bit and come back so much more flexible and open and confident. Absolutely. I saw that. But I just, you know, there were moments that pushed us all, pushed what we believed about the world, pushed what um, we felt comfortable with and um, challenged us all, all of us. And so I was really excited. It was hard to be challenged. Doesn't really feel good when you're being challenged. But um, I was excited that we were doing that together and that, you know, some things weren't as challenging for me, but I knew it was good for my kids because, we had lived in very homogenous neighborhoods before that. And we, you know, hadn't seen both, you know, culturally, but also socioeconomically. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, you know, in the United States, we do that. We are most of our neighborhoods, everybody around us makes about the same amount of money and, you know, lives a very similar lifestyle. And so going into countries and seeing very different ways of living and people from very different levels of society and interacting with them was really good for all of us. And um, I absolutely want to continue giving them that gift because I see that my teenagers, especially who are able to assimilate that information better than anybody are deeper and more well-rounded than I think they were before. And then maybe some of their peers are. And so it's like, oh gosh, we got to keep doing that again because I have younger kids and I want to make sure that they all are being challenged and pushed and deepened. And one of the things that before we left that I really wanted to, to say and to experience was that you hear so much on the news these days and the new, the words fake news are thrown around all the time. And you do really feel at the mercy of, you know, these reporters and these websites, hoping that they're describing the situation accurately. 
But there have been times where I was aware of the situation when I read the news and I'd be like, well, that's not actually how it goes down and that's not really accurate. And so I thought, why don't we get out into the world and meet people from all of these different places so that we're politicians and, you know, reporters and any, anybody, educators can tell us something and we can say, well, actually I've been there. I've seen that. I've experienced that. I've met them. That's not accurate. And I just thought if we could put ourselves and our kids in that place, how much better would we be and how much less, it would be so much less easy to manipulate us and to, um, to try to, I don't know, fake news wouldn't work anymore for us. And so that's one of my other goals too, is to really experience it myself and have my kids have those same experiences. I just feel like when they become adults, the type, I, you know, the type of leadership and um, the ideas that they will have will be so much richer and um, more grounded in reality. So. Mm, that is, you said so many wonderful things. And you know, when I think about visiting a place like Paris or London, I want to go so badly. But if I only decided if I was going to go or not based off of the news, I would never leave my house. Mm-hmm. And I It's be, true. Right? Yes. And one, what's so funny is when we decided to go to Europe, people were like, oh my gosh, I, are you, are, they were very concerned for our safety. But you know what's so funny? Europeans don't want to come to the United States. They think that like every major city's got all these like gun toting crazies who are like shooting and there's all these police shootouts. And so I, I, as soon as I heard that, I'm like, oh, we're going to be fine. If they think that about the US and I know what we think about Europe, there was not one moment ever that we felt unsafe, ever. Even in these, you know, crazy situations we were sometimes in in Morocco, like I would always kind of check in with my heart and feel it out. And I always felt like, no, you're fine. You're, you're totally safe. I never felt unsafe. That is awesome to hear. And I think very affirming for a lot of people that have that, that wanderlust that, you know, they want to go, they want to see, they want to experience. Let's talk about Morocco for a minute because I have always wanted to go there. And so I was totally living vicariously through your videos, but it looks like another world. It is. You know, when, when we went, before we went to China, our friends said, oh, just wait, you're going to feel like you're on another planet. And when we went, it was definitely hard and all of those things, but I didn't really feel like I was on a different planet. In Morocco, I did. In Morocco, I felt like I cannot believe this is on the same planet as the rest of the world. I can't believe we haven't gotten in a time machine. There were times like that. I just, I, I couldn't believe it was, it was so thrilling in, you know, um, and super challenging other days, but there were, it was incredible. And really there aren't that many Americans there. A lot of Europeans can go, they just hop on a plane and go down. Like a lot of Americans would go to Mexico, but it, it, uh, there were very, we met very few Americans in the month that we were there because, you know, you have, there are no direct flights and you have to fly over to Europe and make several connecting flights. So it's like 30 hours to get there or something, but, um, man, was it worth it? And man, was it crazy? And it, it, it's beautiful. It's um, rich with culture. The people there are so friendly. Mm. Uh, there are children everywhere, and they're they're really the inner parts of their city really feel untouched. They feel like you've gone back in time five hundred, maybe a thousand years. 
Wow. This, you know, the sights and the smells and the maze, the mazes of those little roads, it, it just does feel like you're, you know, time traveling there. Did you ever get lost walking around those cities? Oh, uh, we had to be really careful because, you know, you could get, there's like, you know, in, in the center of Fez, which was probably my favorite city in Morocco, um, there, it's just a maze of alleyways and they're so narrow they can't bring cars down there and so they still use donkeys everywhere and carts wood wood carts with wood wheels and so that definitely adds the atmosphere but our guide told us I think it's hundreds of miles when you put them all together and it's they all look the same it's so easy to get lost so we were very careful either we had a guide or we just stayed on the main thoroughfare and then would walk straight back like we didn't like make a turn and make another turn because we would have been we would have been (laughs) s-o-l And, and I bet you all were like a little, little caravan, all 11 of you, you know, winding everywhere. We were. And like, I mean, yes, we looked very different. Um, people uh, tried to speak to us in French and German all the time yeah. uh, because they're, you know, they're not used to English speakers as much. But everywhere we went, like, because people are out, people are out in Morocco and um, like they are in many countries and they're everywhere. And so as we'd walk down these alleys, there would be like people touching our kids' heads and smiling and trying to get Eve's attention. Eve is my nine-year-old and she has Down syndrome. And so everywhere she goes, she's like a celebrity yeah. and um, people trying to get her attention and uh, people trying to sell us things. And it was, it was amazing and um, really, really fun. That's awesome. Where is a place that you would go back to in a heartbeat? Oh gosh, a million. There's a million places. Um, I think the longer we stayed at a place, the more nostalgic we are for it, but we loved France. Um, it was, it was our first country outside the U S and we definitely had some culture shock, um, because we don't, we didn't speak any French when we got there, which is super smart, you know, to take a family of 11 to a country where you don't speak anything. Like we didn't even know how to count. Yeah. (laughs) But um, we would love that. We miss Ireland. Um, oh, we just want to go back everywhere because it's impossible to experience it all. And even if you feel like you experienced a good portion of it, you want to experience it again. I wanted to ask you about that. So when you're traveling, whether it's just with yourself or with your children, like how do you and Mike decide like what you're going to see, what you're going to experience, what you're going to do, you know, because sometimes I feel like families can feel so frantic, like they have to do all the things, they have to see all the things. So how did you all approach that? Well, yes. And we got a lot better at it when we lived in the RV because like you just had to say no so much. And um, and so we we tried not to, we didn't get on social media, like like you, you kind of, um, like most of us would think of doing and saying, Hey, what should I see in the city? Because then you get bombarded with ideas. And sometimes I felt like Mike and I were like holding back like a tsunami of like things we could do. And like, no, don't even come in here. You know, like I don't even want to see you. And so we kind of learned uh, as we were in the RV, like what really um, excited us, what really made us happy to visit and what was just a waste of time for our family. and when it was worth it and when it wasn't. So we, one thing that a family of 11 sadly cannot do is we can't do a lot of like food tourism mm-hmm. because you just show up even in, um, you know, and this is true even in like Manhattan and they've got, they seat 12 total in their amazing little restaurant, you know, or whatever. And you show up in there, <laughs> it's like this 
super awkward moment and you just stand there like a bunch of weirdos looking around and like, uh, we got to go. And so that's one thing we weren't able to do. And, but Mike and I would love to go alone and we tried to do on date night, but, um, we learned that we loved being out in nature, that we were always happy when we went and saw natural wonders. Uh, that was very easy to do with the kids. We learned only to do museums when they were the big ones you know, like, yes, you should go see the Met and yes, you should go to the, you know, the Museum of London sort of thing. But um, most of the time we just tried to live in those places and, and see the little things. We love to see the, the little things that not as many people go to because we feel like um, that it's quieter for one thing and more accepting of a, you know, nine kids running around. But also, like, I feel like sometimes the really big things have become so hyped. Sometimes they're amazing, but also sometimes they just feel like Disney World. And mm-hmm. so when you yeah. go to the smaller sites and the smaller things, um, it feels so much more authentic. And you can experience it a little bit better because there aren't a bunch of vendors and, you know, um, signage and stuff like that. Though I will say that some of the major things were are you realize when you see them that they're major for a reason that they really are mind-blowing that that I just thought like the Eiffel Tower is cool and all but when we walked up and saw the Eiffel Tower it really is it takes your breath away and it's mm. amazing and it's it's like okay I get it I get why everybody wants to see the Eiffel Tower I get it now and I mean Paris was that way all together it was like every moment you're like okay I get it Paris <laughs> is amazing I get it now when I never really understood why people wanted to go to Paris so it was like kind of a mix of both things, but mostly we would go out and then we would honor ourselves. If we felt like just laying around in London, we did. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Good, good. All right. Now I'm sure that you've heard, you know, people say this and I, I just want to get your thoughts on it and you can be really honest. You know, I'll, I will hear people say, I can't do that because I have kids. So whether it's like, I can't, you know, fill in the blank, whatever business it is, I have kids or I can't travel because we have babies. Like what, how do you respond to that? Oh gosh, I have a lot of responses to that. Go um, for it, girl. <laughs> first one is I get it because I have kids. I get it. And there's yeah. definitely some things where I'm like, I'm just not interested in doing that. That doesn't sound fun to me at all. In fact, when we were in New York city, we were there over the 4th of July and they have this incredible fireworks show just a few blocks from where we were staying in Queens over the river. And so we went and we got an amazing spot and we were sitting there in the heat and we thought we were still like four hours out because, you know, fireworks don't start till late. And we're like, you know what? Everybody's miserable. We're out. And we like left this amazing. We were on this dock over right there on the river. It was going to be right there. And we walked home with the kids, got on the subway and, and went home. And um, so I get it. There are moments when it's like, you know what? that's just not worth it. It doesn't work at this point. This is not the phase we're in, but you could say that until you're blue in the face too. And so sometimes you do just have to say, well, is there, you know, I think it's questioning. I like, well, why can't you, can you do it differently? Like, can you, you know, if we, when we go to museums, you know, we do go see the mad and we do go see the museum of London and things, but we don't stay all day. It's like two hours. And so you just accept like, you know what, I'll be back. I'm in my thirties, you know, like I'm here with the kids. We'll see a few things don't, and try not to get too frustrated that they don't want to look at that thing for very long, but you'll be back. And so there's definitely that. And then I think the third thing I would say is, I think that so often 
it's, it's kind of crazy to me, your whole life growing up, it's like, what do you want to do when you grow up? And then you get there and everybody's just doing what's best for their kids in a way, which I don't even know if that is best for their kids, but all the moms are just sitting in their cars while their kids are in sports or in lessons and doing nothing. And it's, or, and I'm like, so why are you taking your kids to lessons for things? If when they grow up, they don't even get to use it anymore. They're just going to sit in the car and take their kids to lessons. And so while absolutely we take our kids to lessons and we integrate them, I also want to show my kids that when you're an adult, it's your turn to live. It's your turn to live the life that you want to live. And, and I tell my, you know, people say, well, what do your kids want to do that? I say, well, I don't know. This is my life. And, And when they grow up, they get to live their life. And so I think you have to be really careful to say, am I living my life or did I, when I was a kid, I lived my parents' life. And now that I'm an adult, I'm living my kid's life. And I think it's so important to model for your kids, but also for yourself. Like you're only, this is your life. And absolutely you love your kids and you're going to take care of them and you're going to help them be happy and meet their needs and prepare them for their future. But this is your adult life. So live it, live it the way you want to live it. Oh my goodness. I'm like nodding my head. Yes. Oh, preach it. That is so, that is so (laughs) right. That leads me to, I think right along these lines, like I remember a few months back, actually, I don't know when it was. I remember on Instagram, you posted a comment that someone, and I believe it was a woman posted, um, on a YouTube channel on one of your YouTube videos about, you know, your, you should be home with your children or your children deserve to be home or something along those lines. So like, what do you really want to say to the critics that are judging you for taking your children around the world? (laughs) Nothing. I don't have any time for them. Um, because they won't be convinced, but I, I do, I have learned some things that I think are interesting. Almost every mean comment we get is from a woman to me. Wow. Um, and I think that's, you know, I think we've got some problems in the, in for us girls. And I think we, it's so funny how there's all of these movements going on about empowering women and yet it's women who are trying to disempower other women. I completely agree. Oh my goodness. I agree with you so much. What yes. Either they tell me, they tell me that, um, poor Mike, because she talks so much and he, he just has to do with what Megan wants or poor kids, because we all know Megan is selfish and, you know, all of those sorts of things and, and making me, it's so funny that like, as I explore and become, empower myself then other women tell me, Hey, you know, you need to stop doing that and stop thinking about yourself. And it, it's like, like, like there's, they, it's this idea that there's only two options in the world. Either you don't think of yourself and you serve everyone around you and you're, you know, um, you never fully bloom and you're not empowered or you become empowered and you're selfish and you think of no one else. And it's just not true. And, you know, I think, it's also very interesting to me how uncomfortable people are with um, a man in a relationship with a powerful woman. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and I, I, I don't say, like, oh, I'm powerful. I guess I mean with a woman who has ideas and who likes to share them and who is chasing after her dreams, they just assume that Mike is unhappy. And it's so funny because Mike, you know, Mike will say, what, well, that's why I fell in love with Megan is because she had ideas and that's, I, it's like, I married her. I knew who she was, you know, and I think it's sad. Um, and I just feel sad for them 
that they have decided that there's only those two ideas. And I, and I really, at the end of the day, it's like, you know what, I don't, I don't want to waste my time talking to you. I want to talk to the girls who are wondering, is it possible for me to feel like I am alive and I am connecting with my strengths and I am living the life of my dreams and, and also hitting the desire to be a good person and to be happily married and to have, you know, to be a good mom. And it's like, yes, it is possible. It is possible. It is possible. It is possible. Um, recently, and maybe I'm getting off topic here, but somebody wrote a really mean article about Chip and Joanna Gaines and said, mm. I just, there's no way that they're good parents and that they're putting their kids first because they're too busy. And I thought when I read that article, I'm like, you know what? It's just sad. It's sad that this guy has decided that it's not possible because they found a way that it is. And in, and so I guess I hope to talk to the girls out there, you know, who think that they have to choose one or the other. And you really don't. It's like, you know what? You're smart. You're, you'll figure it out. And we do. We figure out how to put our family first and, but still be really excited and happy to share our strengths and our talents and our gifts through our work and, and to do both. And I guess for the ones who wonder, that's who I want to talk to. Do you think that those women, and I, I completely agree with you, Megan, like, why are women so, hmm, why are they so quick to be defensive when another woman is doing something wonderful or her own thing? Like, is it jealousy? Is it scarcity? Is the idea of another woman living her best life, does that take away from their ability to live their best life? Like, what's that about? Let's talk about that. Um, well, sadly, I have done that before. So I, I can think of why I did it. I remember I had a blog and I had four young kids and I was homeschooling and um, I could not do it all. I, I was, you know, and I was in this phase where my house was often messy. I was often tired. I didn't feel like I was taking care of myself very well. And along came the pioneer woman and mm. she had a blog and she was homeschooling and she had the same number of kids and she seemed to have it all together. And I remember being on a, on a, I was hanging out with a friend and I said, I just don't believe her. I think she is a fake. She pretends like she's doing it all, but she's not. And um, <laughs> so I did it. I was there and I know I did it because I felt like if she was doing it all and I couldn't do it all at that point, then it meant that I was inferior. It was, that meant that I was deficient. It meant that like I was crappy. And so instead of thinking and being inspired and finding hope that maybe it's the path instead to say that she was. Wow. The <laughs> so yeah. Honest. And so I think so something I, oh, I, <laughs> I think that there are phases it, you just have to say, you know what, more power to you, girl, go for it. Um, but definitely the, the phase of being a mom before your kids are, you know, 10 is brutal and you, you just kind of have to go under for a while and figure things out. And, um, and you aren't going to be able, it's like, it's like, you're just starting to exercise or something. You're going to be horrible at it. And so I think when I was a young mom, I just, it took my breath away. I had to figure out, I had to get my feet back on the ground and figure out who I was and how to do this whole running a household thing. And, uh, it was, it was hard. And so I, what I didn't realize then is like, well, it may be hard now, but man, you've got a lot of years ahead of you. You, you have strength and 
power and intelligence that you don't even know about yet. And, and so don't freak out. Like it's coming. You'll figure it out. Mm, that is so good. Hmm, I'm just taking that in. Cause you know, I have a five-year-old and a one-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> it, it gets easier. <laughs> oh my goodness. So many things. Um, well, see, then Leah, you're a rock star if you're already doing podcasts and running <laughs> successful businesses and social media. You're a rock star. Oh, that is too kind. But you know, though, I'm, I really try to be as honest as I can be. Like, you know, in my Instagram stories this morning, I was, you know, not dressed. I was in my jammies. You know, I try to like not put a filter on it. And, you know, I've been going through a lot this year personally with, you know, different things, nothing between Adam and I, just other things. And, you know, someone said, Leah, you're just doing so amazing. And I was able to kind of share with her kind of some of the behind the scenes. I said, this is me surviving, you know, like I might seem like I am a rock star, but this is just me putting my feet in front of the other and keep moving, mm-hmm. you yeah. know? So like, maybe it's easy for me to look at someone who has a 10 year old and a 12 year old and an eight year old and compare what they're doing with my story with a five-year-old and a one-year-old and despair, right? Or feel Mm -hmm. jealous or feel like, well, she's doing it better than I ever could. So I'm not even going to try, but I just, I think it needs, you need to turn it and say, I'm going to be inspired to create my own story. You know, something that like live my own life that I will look back and be excited for. And a big thing for me, you know, with my business and just now expanding my podcast and my brand is, I truly, in honesty, want to be able to look in my daughter's eyes and tell her, you know, when she has some crazy idea, I want to look in her eyes and say, I know you can do it. Yeah. Right? Isn't that absolutely, isn't that what being a parent is about doing it so you can tell your children they can do more? Yeah. And I really think that people who haven't yet gone for it think that the people who are successful, that it was like this easy Thing where the person who is successful always knew they were going to be successful and what they don't know is like how many times that person's just like laying on the floor of their closet like staring at the wall like I can't do it <laughs> you know and like I I I uh, you definitely get better and you definitely learn to handle more but as you learn to handle more you know I feel like the Lord hands you more and says well how yes. about this let's try this now and um and so I know now, and I think my kids know now because they have seen me in those phases where I am just terrified, you know, or just like, I'm like, they know that I'm totally overwhelmed and I feel like I can't do it. And then they see me do it. And then they see like it work out and they see us take big risks and make it happen. And so I know now, and I'm so excited that my kids understand what success looks like they don't just, they haven't just seen the end, which is what you see when you look at your neighbors or people in your community. You only see the end result of of the success process. But my kids have been on that whole dang journey. And Mm -hmm. so when they decide to reach for it and go for it um, and had set big goals and have big ideas, they're not going to freak out in that phase quite as much as maybe I did because I'd never seen that. I just, I just didn't, my parents didn't go for it. They, they, they thought that was irresponsible. And so um, I'm really, really, if there's anything I'm proud of as a mom, it's that I have shown them what it really looks like so that they 
can do it without fear and they can say, oh, I know my mom and dad have been here. I know that this is normal. And I know that I just have to hold on to the next phase um, and not give up, that it's going to be okay. little questions to ask you. Is that all right? Yes. All right. So here's some fast little questions. All right. Favorite destination in, in the U.S.? Oregon Coast. Favorite tourist trap anywhere? <gasps> the mystery spot. What's that? It's in California. That's all I can tell you. It's a mystery. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, favorite Airbnb you've stayed in? Ireland in a cottage on mm. a farm. Favorite country you visited? Ireland, France. Place you would not go back to. Oh, I don't want to offend anyone, but I've definitely got some. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Language you desperately want to learn. French. Favorite mode of transportation. They have this thing on the Oregon coast where all 11 of us could fit in it and it was like a go-kart with a bunch of pedals that's my favorite. oh cool <laughs> all right this is a fun one if you could go anywhere in the world with mike sam's children where would you go bora bora mm, nice favorite food you ate on the road <sighs> croissants in france freshly baked all right now this one is not travel related but it could be dream brand partnership Dream brand partnership. You mean like a company? Yeah, like a company, like Away, or like you you partnered with Audible. That would be on my list. Um, I would like to partnership with an airline. Holy crap! Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's I don't, any airline. If you're listening, partner with me. Actually, that's my next question. Favorite airline. I don't have a favorite airline. We, um, any airline that's cheap and well, you know what? I, I hate red eye flights. So any airline that flies where I want to go during the day. Awesome. Favorite car game. Favorite car game. Um, or travel game like to pass uh, the time. We usually just turn on really obnoxious music and sing our hearts out. That's, okay. Awesome. Or we listen to Harry Potter. That's our other thing. Very good. Very good. Um, okay. Well, this is now we're switching a little bit. Um, what's your, what, what podcast or book are you reading or something that's inspiring you right now? You know, we have been really inspired, um, by a podcast, I think called how I built it. Oh yes. And, um, dude, that is awesome because I, when I talked about that success journey, you can just listen to it from each person they were all on the brink of disaster before they made it big and so we love listening to that because we are always putting ourselves in situations where it either has to work out or everything's going to fall apart <laughs> oh, <that is> awesome. <laughs> yeah we've had a little bit of I mean not I would not use the word disaster but this year has been very trying and yeah so I, I'm like this is just part of that story this is going to be that section in our story. absolutely uh, Megan, what are your uh, Clifton strengths? Do you know those offhand? Like, yeah, I do. My number one is woo. Next is futuristic, then connectedness, 
then input, and then communication. Oh, beautiful. That is so you. Oh my goodness. <laughs> now, let me ask you this. Are you familiar with the Enneagram? Uh-uh. Oh, well, you need to listen to my podcast. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Okay. This is a little bit more serious. If you could go back in time and talk to your younger self, what would you tell her? Well, first of all, boys do like hips. Okay. <laughs> and- <laughs> awesome. <laughs> no, that's so vain. But I would tell her that there are people in your life who diminish you but it's not because you need to be diminished. It's just because of things in their past and their own fears, because you were made to shine and you were made to talk and you do, you don't, I was told every, everywhere I turned to be quiet, to mm. be less, to, um, to shrink, you know, um, either because that would make me more feminine or because they, you know, my voice was too loud or just too, too much. I was always told I was too much. And, um, I would tell myself that you're not too much. And also, you know, by the way, you are going to be able to live the life of your dreams as long as you just keep doing what you're doing. Um, I don't know. I would love to go back to my teenage self mm-hmm. and just tell her like, dude, you have no idea. And in fact, that's one of my favorite things to do is to just imagine going back to her and be like, look, look at us, look at what we're doing. Like you have no idea. It's going to be so awesome. So don't worry about all of those things and you're not too much. Oh, Megan, me too. I think about my younger self all the time. Yes. Poor girl, I- man, poor girl. Mm-hmm. But also I kind of wish I was still as obnoxious as she was. Like I need some of that vivaciousness again. Mm -hmm. Okay. Here's a (laughs) twist on that. What would you want to tell your future self? My future self. Um, I wouldn't, I would just want to shut up and listen to her. Mm, Okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, what, what would you tell your future self? Like she already knows. It could be like a reminder. It doesn't, I mean, you maybe you don't want to say anything but like I think sometimes I think about like I'm going through this I don't want to have to learn this lesson again so it's like hey or like for instance like me I really want to make sure my future self is taking piano lessons from a professor at a university Mm -mm. you know I don't know it it doesn't happen yes I guess I could if I could say anything to my future self I would hope that I wouldn't need to that's where I'd, I'd lead with like hey I'm sure you don't need to hear this but just in case remember like you and carbs are not a good idea. <laughs> yes, that's awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Megan, this has been amazing. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. It's been really fun. And those were really fun questions. I always love reflecting on, on the kids and on our journey. So it's been a real pleasure. Can you tell people where they should find you and connect with you and follow along? Yes, it's if you go to YouTube, you can just look up Norp and South and that's with a K, K and O-R-P-P, or you can go to NorpinSouth.com. I am telling you, was that not a great conversation or what? Be sure to share it with someone if you think they would enjoy this and be sure to subscribe to Norp and South over on YouTube. 
And don't forget, you're going to leave me a review on iTunes for the Small Queen of Podcasts. Let me know what you like and let me know what else you'd like to hear about. And then I've got some really great stuff in the show notes, so be sure to follow it there. And until next week, I hope that you are moving from surviving to thriving and creating a beautiful, beautiful, inspiring queendom in your everyday life. Bye-bye, friends.